You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The Manhattan truck terrorist claims ISIS, but ISIS hasn't claimed him. Notes on conventional cybercrime with some resurgent banking trojans and mobile malware... Apple patches iOS against crack vulnerabilities. WordPress issues another fix for SQL injection bugs. U.S. Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein takes up the pro-access banner in the crypto wars. But few from the tech sector are rallying to him. And Senate hearings on Russian influence operations continue. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, November 2nd, 2017. The man arrested in Tuesday's truck-ramming killings in Manhattan has been charged. He appears to have been radicalized and inspired online. Saifulo Saipov, a native of Uzbekistan living in Patterson, New Jersey, told investigators after his arrest that he chose Halloween as the date of his truck-ramming attack because he expected streets to be crowded and thus to be able to kill more people. Saipov claimed allegiance to ISIS, but so far, although ISIS-sympathizing Twitter accounts have been quick to celebrate the murders, ISIS official channels themselves have remained quiet. It's been ISIS's practice not to claim a terrorist attacker as a soldier when the attacker is in custody. Since Saipov failed to achieve martyrdom, instead, having been arrested after a New York City police officer wounded him in the stomach, it seems likely that an official claim may not be forthcoming. Saipov told investigators that he was inspired to commit his attack, which he said he'd been contemplating for about a year, after watching ISIS videos on his phone. He was particularly influenced by Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi's calls for revenge against soft targets in the West. For now, Saipov is thought to be probably a lone wolf, although possible connections are being investigated. His phone, at least, has been seized, and authorities are working on it, The phone does indeed contain a lot of ISIS videos and images. Several criminal campaigns are receiving researchers' scrutiny at midweek. A gang Kaspersky calls Silence is distributing a banking trojan being tracked under the same name. The group isn't Carbonac, but researchers note that they're using some of the same techniques that Carbonac pioneered in its rise to underworld leadership. Prominent among those tactics is the use of screen grabs to record and profile ordinary daily activity on targeted enterprises' networks. Chinese speakers are afflicted with a new variant of iOS malware being distributed through two third-party app stores. According to Trend Micro, the malware appears to try to induce its victims to download repackaged apps. 
Proofpoint is following the resurgent of Kavkor G, a criminal gang distributing Kavtar ad fraud malware. The threat group has been active since 2011. The sixth annual Mobile Pone to Own is on in Tokyo. Apple's iPhone 7 running iOS 11.1, Samsung's Galaxy 8, and Huawei's Mate 9 Pro all fell to hackers on the first day. In patching news, Apple has fixed the crack vulnerability in iOS 11.1, addressing the key reinstallation issues implicit in the WPA2 protocol. WordPress has also patched, issuing a fix for a SQL injection flaw. The issue was exploitable in WordPress 4.8.2 and earlier versions. I think one of the biggest problems we are facing right now is um, when it comes to attacks on, on, on companies is social engineering. That's Robert Knapp, CEO of VPN provider CyberGhost, stressing the importance of a company-wide focus on a culture of cybersecurity. The attacks are not really technical. They are more focused on vulnerabilities of, of people. And that is something you can, you can train and teach. And one of the examples is, is simply teach, teach people to, to check emails where they are from, not click on every attachment, teach them uh, uh, how to detect a, a website that is HTTPS protected properly or just pretends to be HTTPS protected. We have to, let's say, bring the people on the level of 2017 and the dangers of the Internet. Um, and, and you only can do that with, uh, with proper training. Uh, what about the the um, the pushback that people often have that say, you know, my employees just want to get their job done, um, and these uh, these things slow them down? Uh, yeah, that is that is right. Uh, you you say that as long as nothing happens. You know, uh, the first time that you ha- run a company, for example, that deals with sensitive customer data, and then you have a security breach, and all your customer data is out there, and your business goes from one hundred percent to zero then you don't say that people need too long to check if there are security vulnerabilities. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's simply um, <laughs> not the right thing to say. So it sounds to me like you're, you're advocating that uh, this really needs to come from the top, that this is something that uh, the companies really need to embrace. Uh, it needs to be a, a regular part of the company culture. Absolutely. Look, we obviously need change. If you look at the cybersecurity landscape and if you look at what happened in the last years, the data breaches get, first of all, bigger and bigger and more serious and more serious. So that means at the beginning, we just had security breaches, let's see, in small companies where you would say, all right, maybe they don't have the money, they don't have the ability to to, to build the proper infrastructure and uh, teach people properly and whatever. But now we are at the level where you see security breaches at companies like Yahoo. So, And that means you need a company culture that deals with two different things. Education of the own stuff and building the proper infrastructure. And the infrastructure that we need now looks different from an infrastructure that we had 10 years ago. That's Robert Knapp from CyberGhost. In the crypto wars, U.S. Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein advocates secure, responsible encryption, That is, encryption that would still permit lawful investigators to access the messages or other content that use it. He's been talking about this for some weeks, and on Monday explained what he's urging as follows. Quote, I simply maintain that companies should retain the capability to provide the government unencrypted copies of communications and data stored on the device when a court orders them to do so. When a court issues a search warrant or wiretap order to collect evidence of a crime, the company should be able to help. The government does not need to hold the key. End quote. 
Thus, companies, essentially any who carry or store communications for their users and customers, would be required to hold a key to any encrypted content their systems handle and to produce such key when properly required to do so by a warrant. It would not, as some reports have said, require companies to store all messages transiting their systems in plain text. While Deputy A.G. Rosenstein has some nice things to say about encryption, calling it a foundational element of data security and essential to safeguarding data against cyber attacks, he nonetheless believes it should be effective, secure encryption coupled with access capabilities. His appeal is falling on largely unsympathetic ears, at least as far as the tech sector is concerned. Cybersecurity Hall of Famer Susan Landau recently described it in Lawfare as a keys-under-doormats approach to security. There's no way, critics argue, of ensuring that only governments exercising legitimate investigative authority would be able to gain access to such keys. To provide for the government to have such access would also be to open up the possibility of such access by other governments, criminals, and so on. U.S. Senate hearings into Russian influence operations find that foreign trolls can post the kind of stuff everybody else does, religious and anti-religious images, racial resentment, class disdain, gender regression, conspiracy theories, and so on. Basically, the Internet's stock in trade. Senators told Twitter, Facebook, and Google executives hauled in to testify about foreign influence that they should get their act together, because if they don't get a handle on their terms of service and enforce them, Congress will or so said California Senator Feinstein. How the platforms might control what people say on them is difficult to say, particularly for observers with strong First Amendment sensibilities, but there might well be ways of limiting the amplifying effects of, for example, bots. And purchasing political advertising might be brought under the same restrictions that currently govern other forms of foreign contributions to political campaigns. The Internet Research Agency, a now well-known St. Petersburg troll farm, was active buying political ads on Facebook last year and was able to use Facebook's formidable analytics to target them to the demographics it was interested in reaching. This seems to have been straightforward marketing savvy on the Internet Research Agency's part. All the companies testifying said they'd found no evidence that anyone had used voter databases to target ads. Testimony also indicated that Russian messaging was distributed across the political spectrum from far left to far right, from moonbats to wingnuts and most other niches in between. This would seem to confirm that the goal was chaos rather than any specific outcome. Back in Menlo Park, Facebook CEO Zuckerberg said he was dead serious about curtailing problematic activity on the social media platform. He framed this as a security issue and warned that the company's security investments would be significant in the coming year, markedly increasing operating expenses. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps. 
keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Chris Poulin. He's a principal at Booz Allen Hamilton Strategic Innovations Group. He heads up their Internet of Things security team. Chris, welcome back. You know, uh, you and I have spoken about medical devices uh, before. And being someone who grew up in the era of the $6 million man, I am very interested in the, uh, the possibility of augmenting my human capabilities. Uh, and this is something that you're interested in. And some of these things are not that far off. That's true, and I, I really do hope that you weave in the six million dollar man. <laughs> <laughs> but, so yes, in fact, it's kind of interesting because the um, I've been talking quite a bit about this, and I'm fascinated. I, I actually got fascinated by watching somebody called Left Anonym, L E P H T, and it's like anonymous but shortened, um, mm-hmm. who actually has started pioneering grinding, which is basically implanting magnets and things like that into oh. her body in her kitchen with a bottle of vodka and a scalpel. Um, and then it's moved on. There's a, uh, a, uh, organization called grind house wetware out of Pittsburgh who do similar things. And it's kind of fascinating. They'll use magnets and an echolocator to actually help blind people to navigate rooms. You know, so the magnet actually picks up on the uh, return ping basically. And they've had great success and, and being able to accurately navigate uh, rooms and determine the height and distance and all that of objects that are in people's way. So it doesn't really have a cyber implication right now, but I start thinking about, you know, what the future holds and even some of the stuff that's happening now. So, for example, Elon Musk is coming up with, he's thinking about neural lace. So effectively, it's a Utah array or uh, array of sensors that you can overlay onto your brain. And the theory is that I could think of a, in fact, this podcast could be coming to you just by somebody sitting there and I could be thinking these words and it could be transmitted directly without any, any translation through, you know, my mouth and airwaves directly onto your brain. So I could think of a picture and you could be translated directly or you could receive it in the exact form that I thought potentially. Mm -hmm. But see this, so, so that's where it gets scary is that. It requires, in order for this to work the way that we want it to, is a communications network. So think about telematics for your brain. And so if you've got a point of presence or a, a, uh, a threat surface, you know, literally here, then somebody could break in. And if you have access to somebody somebody's brain, you can cause them to have purposeful hallucinations or attacker-controlled hallucinations. Or there's a movie, a really bad B-movie from the uh, 90s, I think, called Idle Hands. Okay. Uh, where an evil possessed hand manages to find its way onto this young kid's body. It's a silly, stupid movie. It's creative. Oh. 
great if you had a couple beers and it's a rainy day. But um, effectively, I think about that. You could cause somebody to cause motor movements that they were not intending. Something a little less uh, juvenile would be something like the Manchurian candidate, right? So, so that's one aspect. The other one is um, looking at actual nanotechnology where we've seen nanotubes that have actually been put into practice. Um, so it'll, it'll be things like uh, they might target certain cancer cells or whatever. So basically you ingest these, um, this nanotechnology and it can be controlled through software. And so uh, one of my uh, friends and colleagues, um, uh, Chris Roberts, actually, he has been doing some work in that area and has managed to figure out how to hack those. So effectively, if you've ingested those and their goal is to, I don't know, target cancer cells or whiten your teeth or whatever it is that they want them to do, he can change it so that it can do something more evil to somebody. You know, so again, one of these things, and I keep cautioning people, and you know, this is sort of my, this is how I like to uh, end uh, discourse on these these types of topics is, you know, it's always about attacker motivation. So unless you're some high profile target, I don't worry that much about people just uh, taking control of these things and causing harm. But quite honestly, I think, it becomes a little bit more widespread when it's something like uh, neural lace, where you could actually make people believe what you want them to believe. So there actually is a far more insidious motive than actually harming people. So just sort of a cautionary note as we move into that realm. These are things that Oscar Goldman never had to worry about on The Six Million Dollar Man. Chris Poulin, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.